Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Good Morning Cherokee. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee, sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade, which means, of course, from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please check them out at myalmacoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Leticia or Harry and tell them, that stone sent you. You guys are in for a real treat this morning. First up on Cherokee Business Radio, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Truto Consulting Group, the man himself, Mr. Bob Truto. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Stone. Glad to be here. Well, it is an absolute delight to have you back on the Business Radio X microphone, to have you in the Woodstock studio here for Cherokee Business Radio it's been too long. Get us caught up. Mission, purpose, what are you out there trying to do for folks? Well, the main purpose has always been the same, and that is to help people connect with their customers, ultimately with the goal of selling more, whether that's a manager helping their sales uh, person sell more, or more importantly, the salesperson building their relationships with their customers and prospects. I got to believe that world has changed. Uh, it <laughs> Probably like, would have anyway, but particularly with all the craziness over the last 18, 24 months. Yeah. Well, uh, and that has uh, indeed been, uh, what's the popular term, pivot? Uh, um, <laughs> I have heard that word a couple of times, yeah. I, I think... More than that, what uh, is probably a better term is frozen. Um, <laughs> you know, 15 months ago, people absolutely saw the world around them um, stop still oh, as far as business uh, the way it was normally done. And I think people responded the same way, too. They froze themselves. Mm. And yet salespeople who were used to getting on the uh, travel um uh, uh, mill um, out Monday, back Friday, or gone every other week. They couldn't do that anymore. So they were forced to use Zoom, uh, Microsoft Teams, whatever it was, to connect to not only their own company, but try to connect with their customers. And it's they struggled. Um, a lot froze because virtual selling, selling remotely, was just not comfortable for them. It was not the same. And helping them make that transition was something I did myself at the same time realizing I'd been doing it for years. Ten years ago, I started selling remotely. I had been on a uh, treadmill right. where I was traveling 200-plus uh, days a year away from the home. Yeah. And uh, I was a little tired of it. So <laughs> I started using the technology, uh, not so much Zoom, but as far as electronic transfer uh, of documents, uh, a lot of phone calls, conference calls, 
And my quality of life improved substantially. I'll bet it did. Now, on this time around, though, at first, did you struggle like the rest of it? At first, was it uncomfortable? And you're like, look, I'm just going to hit the brakes, let this thing blow over and get back to my stuff? Or Yeah, I basically um, took some months off, uh, which was not a bad thing. But when a couple of months turned into four, turned into six, uh, turned into eight, I realized I had to do something. Yeah, our uh, wealth manager guest that we're going to have in a little while would probably have to say something about that. Right? That's, probably, know, that's probably not a good plan. There, there was <laughs> lots of time on my hand. I had no trouble volunteering, uh, helping produce right. uh, virtual worship services uh, with my wife. But the fact is, I really missed my customer contact. And then I started thinking, they are probably in the same boat. They're missing their customer contact, too. And so reading a lot about what companies are doing to stay connected internally, even though it was all remote, I got the idea that I could help people do a better job selling remotely. Well, I'm sure you can help me do a better job. Because i got to tell you, I've gone kicking and screaming into this whole idea of having uh, certainly radio shows over like Zoom. Now, it has allowed us to interview people that maybe we would have never reached until we actually had a studio place there. Um, but there have been some real positives that have that have come out of that. But no, I'm probably your your poster child for the the resistant, non-pivoting, frozen, you know, guy. Because, well, I've just seen the dynamics that, that happen in this in this 10 by 13 room where you and I are looking each other in the eye right now. We've got Barry. Barry's learning about you. You and Barry will get to know each other. And it's just um, that has been so powerful over the last 15 years. And we've helped a lot of people, help a lot of other people make some real money doing it. I, I just I really threw my guard up when this whole virtual thing began. And I bet you a lot of salespeople in a lot of different domains did the same. Yeah, They experienced the same thing. But let's turn it on its head a little bit. Think about the positives of selling remotely. Right. Not only do you are you more productive when you engage in it because you're not spending that time uh, on the road, getting rental cars, doing the airplane thing, yeah. all for a meeting that you could do, followed by another meeting, followed by another meeting, followed by another meeting without ever leaving your house. Right. And it's not just the sellers that are changing the way they do things. Our buyers the project managers that we're working with, the C-level people, they're remote too. Right. So I started looking at this from a standpoint of, is this something we're going to live with for a long time? And the answer is yes. You know, we'll go back to full in the office about 50% of what it used to it's be. Ne it's never going to go snap all the way back, is never it? Because we've back. discovered we like a lot of aspects of this, right? And there's probably some financial implications for commercial real estate. I mean, there's we're never going all the way back, are we? And if you and if you look at all the travel and expense money that companies haven't been paying out, Right. They're, they're liking that. They're liking that to the <laughs> bottom line. I mean, right. how many times has a seller experienced their two thirds of the way through the year? Uh, they're working big deals and all of a some company, um, all of a sudden the company told them uh, we need to cut back on travel expenses for the last uh, four months of the year. Right. Well, they're 
not going to have to do that anymore. Right. I believe that it's in everybody's best interest, sellers, buyers, and the companies that uh, pay the bills to uh, do a lot more virtual uh, workspace and therefore for the seller to do a lot more selling remotely. Okay, but it does require a different skill set, probably not accurate, but, but we got we to learn some things if we're going to be effective in, in that platform, right? That's different than, you know, bringing a dozen donuts and uh, chewing the fat, <laughs> right, with the purchasing manager. <laughs> well, when, when we do pop in, that's a great example. When right. we do pop in person, whether we traveled uh, 10 minutes or 10 hours to get there to do that, mm-hmm. when it goes well, we loved it. Right. We loved having coffee. We loved walking around the office. We loved building the relationship. But I don't know a seller who hasn't done that same 10 minutes, 10 miles, mm. 10 hours to get to a customer and have it be a complete bust. Oh, yeah. You walk in that door and you realize this is never going to go anywhere. Um, it's a waste of my time. Uh, the customer is resistant. And you're still there. You're still having coffee. You're still walking around. You're still spending your time. And then you get back to travel back home. You're out two, three days. You've gutted your week. It's gone. Right. Not that that's ever happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I resemble that remark, right? I've lived that. So if we can still build relationships with people, yes, we may be looking at them uh, via Zoom, uh, but we're still building relationships we're still on purpose getting to know them. And it's all planning your time accordingly, even though we feel rushed by the technology of Mm. virtual meetings. There's no reason for that. You just plan your strategy accordingly, and you've saved yourself time. Buyers like it because, by the way, when they have a seller that comes in out of town, Right, and they know it's a bust. Uh, they have to suck up all that time waste too. Right. right. So it really is in both parties' interest to do remote selling properly, and understand our our buyers are remote too. Now you've reframed your entire consulting practice. At least, well, no, that's probably not true. Not true. But you, you've you've built a, a nice uh, uh, area in your consulting practice to provide these kinds of of learning opportunities to help people get better at this. Are there some just kind of absolute in every situation? I don't know the three do's and three don'ts, or some things to always remember and never forget. Just to, <laughs> are there some of those kind of pro tip things that just you know, if you don't get anything else from this from this conversation, you know, go do this and don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> in this, well, there there certainly is uh, the technology aspect of it. Okay, uh, solid internet, um, you know, good equipment, but beyond that. I would say the number one virtual tip when you're dealing with uh, your customers and prospects is be genuine. Be yourself. Don't try to uh, put on certain airs. Now, uh, just picture the the pictures in the background you see of people. Right. Uh, You know, it's okay to clear the clutter behind you, but 
I wouldn't exactly put up a Malibu uh, beach house <laughs> picture just to impress your clients. So you don't want to be Instagram stone for the virtual sales meeting. Just be stoned. <laughs> exactly. And uh, stone, you That's do ge- you do genuine better than anybody I know. <laughs> Beyond that, I think it all comes down to sales strategy. Okay. Think about the initial meetings we have and you have questions you need answers to. Well, you can say, let's get those answers. Buyer, you get your answers. I'll get the answers that you've asked for. Mm. And let's get back together. And the next step is not, you know, I'll be back in Topeka in three weeks. Right. It's, uh, what are you doing, you know, day after tomorrow? And getting back together, tell me if this is true, is is a, a little more palatable, a little easier. There's more availability. Absolutely. Right? You know, we knock it out before supper or we can do it at 10 o'clock or the, there's more availability than if we have to organize a whole nother live in-person visit. That's right. Yeah. So we're actually more flexible, can move the sales process farther, faster, and the buyer can move their process farther, faster until we understand that, yeah, we ought to be doing business together. So the barriers or the challenges that you're beginning to see, um, I, I'm operating under the impression that maybe you are beginning to see some patterns evolve, like uh, that you almost always see, you know, these three things that maybe could could be addressed. Are they very similar to, because you've been, you've been training salespeople for a long time. I mean, you had black hair when we first met. <laughs> it's, it's been a full 30 years, Stone. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> uh, but some of those same challenges, some of those same areas to, to work in, are, are some of the barriers the same and some of the um, the strategies the same? Or, or, and are there, are there some very different ones that, that are just now emerging because of this technology? Well, let's talk about a couple of that are the same. Okay. Probably the first one is feel that you've got to spew your pitch all over somebody mm. when in reality uh, they can read that on the web or you could send them an email. What mm. you want to do is build that relationship. So the person understands you're there to provide solutions, but you may not know exactly what that solution is. You're there to provide value that will make them more successful. That's the same. That's just, that's since the dawn of time, people who were better at that got better results. Right? Win, win more. <clears throat> Zoom, if you think, oh my goodness, we've got 60 minutes here, I better start spewing my pitch all uh, over you. Right. You know, you're going in the wrong direction. Understand you've got the time. Something that's different, and that is relationships are more difficult when it's not in person. Right. Uh, But you can still build more relationships faster uh, by doing business the way people want to do business. We all know that people do business with people they like. What we forget is that people like salespeople who allow them to do business the way they want to do it. And Mm -hmm. there's the key advantage to remote selling. You're able to spin your approach to match what's going on with the buyer. You got to ask about it, but if you match the way the buyer wants to buy, then you're going to be in a better position to get quality information, build those relationships, show your value and close the sale. 
All right, but for you, it's like working in a house of mirrors, right? Because you're remotely selling. I mean, you're the real deal. You got to sell your work, mm-hmm. right? Your work just doesn't just come to you. I don't guess. So you're you're remotely selling. Then you're remotely teaching people how to remotely sell. <laughs> it's like the fun house at the fair. Uh, so the the techniques, the strategies for uh, engaging participants, and, and I'm from the training consulting world, so I have some frame of reference for what training used to be like in the old days. But some of that must have. I mean, there's a whole set of strategies and, and, and uh, tactics and skills around that, right? Absolutely. It's virtual selling um, your value in a, a world that is not the same. Uh, I, I, I've run into this for years. Um, I remember one introduction I got from a client uh, before I started writing my introductions. Uh, it, I was teaching a sales presentation class. And the guy stood up and said, today we're hearing from Bob Truto. He's going to give us a presentation on giving sales presentation. I think that takes a lot of guts. (laughs) Bob? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And for years, I have been selling, selling training. Right, right. So, um, yeah, the best compliment I think I ever got, uh, and that was somebody who... uh, uh, signed a deal with me and said, you know, Bob, you're not a salesperson, you're a trainer. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know, I've got your check in my pocket. You call me whatever you want. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So um, you have a, a workshop, a series of workshops, a whole curriculum. Where are you in this process of actually serving the marketplace with us? Well, I'm introducing it with free webinar presentations. Okay. Um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour with Q&A. And on top of that is a virtual training program, five different pieces, uh, building relationships, uh, personalized uh, selling, uh, creating that value chain and the buying cycle, uh, fitting those two together, how you move the buyer forward. Uh, and of course, asking questions, uh, that uncover the value that you're delivering is absolutely critical. So we'll cover that in another piece. I have to interject right here. So I have known Bob for a long time. And if you do catch me doing something right in some sort of uh, sales exchange, it's probably Bob Truto's fault. But one of the lessons that stuck with me, <laughs> and, and uh, w- w- when I was listening to you talk about asking questions, you also suggested that we listen to the answers. <laughs> I thought, now that is a good idea. And I know that sounds simple, but it, you know, this was a long time ago. Yeah, I had black hair. <laughs> you know, I went late twenties, early thirties, and I'm like. Well, yeah, that would be, that would probably help. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, and and there is the problem. Could, could, could you not interrupt anymore? Because we're on a tight time here. I don't really want to listen to the answers, Stone, you know. Yeah, and that's what salespeople do all the time. The next two pieces of the virtual training, uh, one I call success plans. And that mm. is putting on paper, electronic as it is, and... Mm showing the value that not only you're going to deliver your customer after they say yes, but the value you've delivered them beforehand and all the work you go through to make it happen. I mean, we're sitting here, we're knocking this out, but I know how much work you went through to just get us here in this room. Right. 
And you got to remind your customers how much work you've done delivering value they, they to them. They do forget, right? If they, they knew in the forget. first place or even if it had dawned. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And the success plans, a tool I've been using for years and have pivoted it as well to um, remote selling is a powerful tool. And then ultimately you still have to deal with some resistance that customers have. Right. And then the key is remotely assessing where's the source of the resistance is the relationship not built to the point where they trust you trust is a big deal and if that's the case go back rebuild that trusting relationship uncovering how to know what the source of the resistance is is what's really important when you're selling remotely so these five uh, modules are delivered um Again, not a solid two days of training by any means, but spread out over time. And I'm real excited about uh, that opportunity. It is a combination of teaching real life, real time to people and say, let's work on these things and I'll see you back in a week and we'll do it again. Well, I'm excited for you. And and I look forward to participating, incidentally. Uh, I I think uh, we can all continue to to learn and get better, and I know that I can. The people who are best suited to participate in these workshops, solopreneurs, um, members of of a sales team, what's a or is the answer yes? <laughs> it is. It has been a mix. It's primarily uh, focused on business to business sales, but okay. uh, sales right. teams have gotten a lot of value out of it. Uh, all of these elements, uh, sales managers who then pass it along to their salespeople have gotten <laughs> a lot of value on it. Right, and uh, entrepreneurs, uh, particularly, most people start their business. Because they really know some good stuff. And they have a passion about the craft, whatever the craft is, right? Absolutely. Um, But then somebody tells them, oh, by the way, you actually have to sell this. (laughs) And that's not their background. It's not their training. So they particularly can benefit from this uh, process as well. All right, so let's be. I mean, let, let's don't let's don't hide this under under uh, a bushel here. You're talking about the CPA, the business attorney, the 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 software consultant. These are people who are um, they have highly specialized expertise in their domain, but they may very well um, likely need some help in effectively articulating the the benefits of it and selling it. Now, even more so because they got to do so much of it remotely. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely, and it's putting them into one more uncomfortable role, which is um, showing what they do, how right. they can add value, possibly through a Zoom meeting versus in person. All right. So there's the exposure to the instruction, um, which I know from personal experience, even from so long ago, that there's tremendous value in that. Um, have you decided to build in some some ongoing connection? I don't know if it would be like keeping them in a cohort and letting them help each other in a peer to peer way, or, or is there a way to stay connected with the with with the uh, with the flock? Because <laughs> uh, I well, I, and maybe not everyone would be thirsty for that, but I would be if I yeah. I, I think I, I, I I'm operating on the impression that you're probably trying to build in some ongoing lasting points of of connection and and. Uh, 
feedback loop and stuff, yeah? There's two pieces to that. With the virtual training uh, five-part series that follows the webinar, mm-hmm. um, you join a group. Okay. Right. And you join a group of like-minded people who were in your virtual classes, and that continues to build. And through a uh, Facebook group, you actually oh, can, sh- can okay. share with each other directly right. uh, and get that kind of support moving forward. And also as part of that, um, I connect directly with people. I'm available to people who go through the virtual training um, because I have a extra time because I'm not <laughs> traveling anymore. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever get nervous? And maybe this, this is no different now than it was, you know, a long time ago that, that people are looking at you as the absolute paragon of virtue. Like you are, you got to be the model. So you got to be, you got to be really on when you circle back around and you're delivering or you're having a remote meeting. Well, you said, Bob, you said, don't ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ever scratch your eye. (laughs) Well, the whole, um, you ever feel pressure like that? Or you just say, or is it back to being authentic and say, Hey, here's some disciplines. Let's go back to my comment about being genuine. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Nobody's, Nobody's perfect. Uh, if this was easy, uh, we could have popped it out uh, in an email and everybody just followed these things. There you go. It's live. And remember, we're yeah. doing business the way our customers want to do business. And they're all different. Yeah. So we have to be able to adapt to them. And selling is live, even when it's remote. Yeah. Excellent point. I could talk about this all day, but <laughs> I want to get to our next guest. Where can our listeners uh, get their get their hands on some material to read about this or participate in a webinar or have a conversation with you or someone on your team? But whatever coordinates you think are appropriate, email, phone, website, whatever you feel like is appropriate. I think the easiest way is to uh, text uh, to my uh, number. 404-405-6085 or email me at bob at truto.com. And uh, over the radio, I'm going to spell that T-R-O-U-T-E-A-U-D.com. And those would be the most direct way uh, to get in touch with me. Well, Bob, exciting time for you. Congratulations on the momentum. I look forward to watching the story unfold. Um, if you won't get a nosebleed coming from your office back out to, to Woodstock again sometime, I'd love to do like kind of a follow-up story on this. Maybe even talk to, to some of your students and maybe we, we, we bring them in remotely. And I don't know. I've got some ideas about some fun stuff we could do is like following up with a cohort or two, a, a, one of these groups. You up for that? I'm up for that. I think it'd be a great idea. All right. One more time, those coordinates, text or uh, email. Listen. Text to 404-405-6085 or email me at bob at truto.com. Fantastic. Hey, how about staying with us while we visit with our next guest? Oh, that'd be great. All right. Next up on Cherokee Business Radio, we have with us co-creator and president with Wealth With No Regrets, Mr. Barry Spencer. Good morning, sir. Morning, Stone. How are you? Good to be with you today. I am doing well. I'm sorry you had to follow that act. I, I thought that was a marvelous conversation. It's a tough act to follow, <laughs> for sure. If we, you know, Maybe we separate these and publish them separately. Uh, no, I've been so looking forward to having you on the show. Um, a, a common friend and colleague, uh, John Ray, suggested that we get you in the studio. I've really been looking forward to it. 
can't wait to dive into uh, into your book, and I want to talk about that. But before we go there, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about your work, mission, purpose. Uh, how are you trying to serve folks? Well, I love the quote that uh, Zig Ziglar said that my dad had me listen to since I was a little kid. He said, you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. Mm-hmm. And I love finding people find, figure out what they want for their life, their future, their retirement, and uh, help them be able to do more for themselves, their family, and the causes they care about deeply. And that's a rewarding experience for me and my entire team to help them do that. Wow. How fortunate to have uh, a mentor in your dad. Was your dad in this business or in business in, in general or just a wise guy? Yeah, my dad. Well, all the above. My dad was a very wise man, God-fearing man and a business owner, very successful in his own right. And actually, it was the tragedy of his life that actually got me into this business. Oh, sorry. My, uh, uh, my father, as he was losing a battle with cancer, said to me, Barry, you're going to need to take care of mom. And those words struck me to the core, although I didn't know what that meant until after the fact. And he lost his battle with cancer at retirement age. That mm. my dad had done everything he was supposed to do as far as get ready for uh, get ready for retirement, get ready for the future for he and my mom to have together. Uh, and then he did, you know, what he was supposed to do with other folks. He only hired advisors, friends that we had known for 10, 20, 30 years uh, to help him with his money, help him with his future. And yet there was something missing for him. And I was looking back, I said, why did it strike me so much that my dad would ask me that? And why did it strike me so much that I got really passionate about making sure this thing got done right when it, you know, so many things were going wrong? And uh, I realized I went back to when I was going into sixth grade. My parents decided they were going to move my schools from uh, where I was supposed to go to elementary school to a new one. Mm-hmm. So I'm the kid entering sixth grade, middle school as the new kid. Ouch, not a good, a not a good situation. Too. Wow. To compound the matter even more, I was smaller than the other kids. I might be what you call a late bloomer. <laughs> Incidentally, so, y'all can't see this because we're on the radio, but I mean, you're six foot plus, right? Right. I'm yeah. a six foot one today. And uh, while you guys have gray hair, I don't have any hair. So I don't know where <laughs> that puts me in the whole thing. But, uh, you know, my uh, I there I was in sixth grade and I got picked on and pushed around a lot. Hmm. And, and I would come home many days uh, crying to my mom and ma- begging her to not make me go back the next day. Uh, Of course I did. And what grew in my heart at that time was looking back, I realized that uh, there was growing passion in my heart to look out for people who get picked on and pushed around in their life. Mm. And I feel I realized that it wasn't the fault of the advisors that were helping my my mom and dad. It was the industry. And as a result of the way the industry is set up, my mom and dad were getting picked on and pushed around by the industry, though they had the resources not to be picked on and pushed around, but they were. So the deck is really stacked against the retiree or, ha- or at least was, or it still completely, is. You feel like? Completely stacked oh against them. Yeah. And it's, and it's not the, I think most advisors in the space are well-intentioned, well-meaning folks. They want right. to help. They want to serve in many cases. Uh, but the large product manufacturers push their product down and, and really uh, force or at least influence strongly the advisor just to sell a product or just to push them to make a sale or to do something, whether in their best interest or not. And that's what I realized that when my dad died, that we had uh, that very experience going on. Mm. And I said, I got to do something to change this. This, this is not right. And I got to do something to change it. So right out of the box, the, the, um, the confidence you must have had because you, you cut the strings with whoever you were working with, didn't you? And you're changing. 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, that takes confidence. A lot of us don't even want to have that confrontational conversation. Am I right? Very much so. In fact, most of our best clients come from people they've had as an advisor for 10, 20, 30 years. Wow. And that was my experience, too. So uh, so here are folks that my family's worked with for over 10 years at least, but people we had known for 30 years, yeah. friends, and and so forth. And not inherently relations. bad people, to your no, early point. great people, full of character. They had integrity. There was nothing wrong with them. They weren't doing anything shysty or, uh, or, or wrong or, or illegal. None of the above. But here's what I realized is they were missing significant opportunities. I had to deal with the fact that there was no plan in place for, for my mom and dad together or my mom to be on her own. No one. There's no plan. So there were assets and there were money managers and there were investments and there were accounts and it was diversified yeah. among several advisors, like so many think they are supposed to do. Oh my. And in the end, it just created more confusion and more heartache and uh, and, and ultimately missed opportunities for my parents. Uh, there was significant, significant tax liabilities that were never dealt with. And ultimately, how it was going to work out for my mom was very much up in the air. But you you stepped in in time. It sounds like yes, we did. Well, thankfully that my uh, father had done better better than a little good. Can I say it that way? Does yeah, that, that work? makes perfect sense to me. That's okay, how, good. I, I grew up on Eight Mile Creek Road, so that's how we talk. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd be right at home here. Yeah. Uh, so so he had done more than enough to make sure they were fine together. So that helped with the fact that the that money was being lost and and not mm. being managed well or right. appropriately or in a personalized fashion, and so it did give me an opportunity to step in before it was too late. But the stakes, well, incidentally, um, for those of you who are listening to this um, not live but on demand, which is how most of our media is consumed on the Business Radio X Network, we're kind of in that uh, we're past the presidential election. People are still wearing masks. We've got the pandemic. We got COVID. Um, the, the vaccines are starting to be available. But the reason I mentioned the timing is this conversation is so germane to uh, relevant to my life. Uh, we are we are um, having this conversation in the Cherokee Business Radio studio, in the, right in the heart of Woodstock, at a, at a co working space called Innovation Spot, and we are sitting nine tenths of a mile. From a home that that Holly, my wife and I just closed on three days ago, uh, because she's going to retire within the next twelve to eighteen months, probably. Um, I mean, this is the closest thing I do to work, which is basically be re- retired. So we're kind of at that uh, spot in our lives. And my point is, uh, and we're very blessed in a lot of ways, but the stakes are so high. Like if we get, if Holly and I get this wrong, it really is going to have a dramatic impact on our quality of life. Yes, absolutely. So think of an event or an activity you've done uh, for the first time in your life, whether it was play a sport or first time you were ever on uh, radio live. How did the very first time you do it go? Oh, it was awkward as hell. It was all, it was ugly. It, it, was, was, it was miserable. So just think about this. Every person entering retirement is doing it for the very, very first time. They've uh-huh. never done it before. <laughs> they've never been educated about it. They hadn't, they've been doing other stuff, getting ready for it. Right. And so uh, it's awkward, it's confusing, and it's rightfully so, because it's the first time you've ever done it, and it's guess what? It's going to be the only time you ever do it. I never thought about it that way. It's an excellent point. So uh, we help people do it every day. 
Yeah. And we're engaged in it on a day-by-day basis, making sure it goes right, making sure people prepare, making sure people transition well, and then make sure people live on, uh, you know, well past that uh, that moment in time uh, as well. So whether they're a business owner, whether an executive, whether a professional or a, an independent woman on her own, I mean, uh, these are the folks that we're helping do that with uh, on a day-to-day basis. I, I recognize or I, I believe it to, to be true that the, the answers, the the package, the portfolio, all that would be very um, uh, idiosyncratic, right? Do, what What's good for Holly and Stone may not be good for, you know, Bob and Rindy, right? I, I recognize that there's, that there's that. But are there some mistakes that you just see over and over? And are there some common mistakes that people make as they're getting into retirement or in retirement? Well, yes, and I would say uh, – to the way you're framing that question up first is that most advisors don't see you as unique and personalized from others uh, that they look at your uh, portfolio. You get the same as the last person that came in the door and the next one to walk through the door. You get, you get the same advice, you get the same attention. There's nothing unique or different about it. That might mean like they may make you believe that it is, but it really is. I've, I've been around the advisory hmm. community uh, now for over a decade. And I can tell you from people I've interacted with in the industry, it is, it's cookie cutter. Right. It is cookie cutter. Same, same, same. So one of the, the biggest mistakes that we see people make is they allow the advisory industry to tell them, Hey, here's your, here's the money you need. Here's the portfolio. Here's the asset allocation. And uh, you're going to be fine. Take this percentage off of that portfolio. And then you're going to be fine. And life is so much more complicated than that. It's complex and there's more more intricate details than that. So the number one thing people can do is, first of all, get a personalized, customized plan, which is not a portfolio and it is not a product. A pro- portfolio that you have and the statement that says how much money you have and you say, oh, well, that's good. I never thought I'd have a half a million dollars, a million dollars, five million dollars or more. Whatever that case is, that is not a plan. That's just a portfolio. Because I, what I like to say it is, um, it's not about the money at all. It's not about the zeros on the page. It's what the money does. It's what the money does for you. It's what yeah. the money does for your family and the causes you care about deeply. And when you can figure that out, then you can start to get down the road where you want to be. So I mentioned a moment ago that, that the stakes are high. Or they certainly feel high to me. Yep. And I'm not a risk-averse person. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I mean, I, I've been, I have, haven't had a real job since 1987. Um, but still, I, I sense uh, risk, at least in, in two areas, um, uh, health and um, I guess health in taxes. I, are, are those a couple of the, the those risks? Those are a couple. So okay. I'll tell you, there's four storms really coming right okay. now as we sit here today. And uh, number one is taxes. Taxes are going up because you can't print trillions of dollars worth of money and not have to figure <laughs> out how to pay for them. And they're going to be they're going to be taxing people. Right. And if you think you're not going to be targeted, you're going to be targeted. And the Secure Act that was just put into uh, a law here not too long ago said that all of those who have an IRA, you have a target on your back. And you say, well, I'm not making 400000 or more a year. It doesn't matter. If you have an IRA, that target is on your back because they're coming for the money that has never been taxed, number one. And number two, yeah. there's a whole lot of those dollars sitting out there. 
So yeah. if you don't think you're, they're coming for you, they're coming for you. So that's number one. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's number one. So taxes, number two, uh, is the stock market. And so many people are sitting there with a stock market saying, Hey, I'm going to be fine because man, the uh, standard advice in the industry is you're going to get a 5%, 6%, 7%, whatever they tell you, what here's going to be your average return. Right. But here's the thing in real life, returns don't happen in averages, right? They happen in big swings <laughs> up and down, up and down. And when sure. you're in retirement, when that swing goes down, boy, that's where the danger zone really hits. So that's storm number two is that stock market, not only not only the crash, but also just the volatility in there up and down is a significant and volatility, storm. That's a whole different ballgame when you're in your 60s and 70s than it is when Big you're in time. your 30s. When you're in your 30s, who cares about you know volatility, right? That's right. And that's why I call in retirement that volatility, I call it the double whammy. And because in the double whammy in retirement, the stock market goes down. That's that's the first one. Right. The second one is when you need it for money and you start needing to take it out when it's down. Ouch. That is a double whammy. Big time. So that's a part of storm number two. And uh, and you rightly said another storm, which is which is really the good and the bad longevity. Oh, right. Right. Because it is actually a multiplier effect to all the other dangers that happen in retirement. Because the longer you live, the more you're going to see stock market movement. The longer you live, you're going to see higher taxes. The longer you move, you're probably going to go through a, a, you know, a multi-year or decade long, you know, um, a return environment that's flat. You know, more you're going to have in healthcare costs and more long-term right. care might cost and all that kind of stuff. And yet the standard advice is, Oh, you've got enough in your portfolio. We're going to do an average 6% return. You're going to be able to take 4% off that portfolio. You're going to be just fine. Really? I've, no, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. That's what they say. That is what they say. <laughs> and by the way, when you go on and they'll tell you, you can do it yourself. Wait, it's the first time you've ever done retirement. It's the only time you're going to do retirement and you can do it yourself. I say, good luck. Go for it. You know, maybe you can if you want to get a second career and a second degree. And then they say, go on here and use it. I talk to people every day. Go on here and use this online calculator. It's going to show you exactly how you're going to be okay. And it's just that standard, get that return. And by the way, forget about inflation, which is the fourth whammy inflation, that cost of living. And it, it's happening right now. People say, oh, inflation in there. You know, it's been so low for so long. It's already there and you can see it. You can see it. You know, take a bag of chips, you know, just take a normal bag of chips that maybe was a 25 cents, right? Right. You say, all right, well, that bag of chips, well, how, here's how inflation works. That bag of chips, same size package, right? Well, back in the day, you paid 25 cents and that bag of chips was full of chips, right? <laughs> yeah. Now you're lucky to get half in that bag. You fill the rest of it with air. That's inflation. Here's another way inflation works, which is what people most most of the time think about. That bag of chips is not 25 cents. It's now 50 cents or 75 cents or a dollar. Well, it's two ways inflation happens. One you see, one you don't see. Either way, it's the frog in the kettle. And if you ain't ready for that and you're not prepared for that and you haven't, and you haven't thought down the road, because most people's retirement is going to last 30 years, you're going to be in retirement almost as long as you've been working. Wow. I really hadn't thought about it. Okay, so this conversation was a lot more fun at the beginning. Now you're scaring the <laughs> hell out of me. Okay, so uh, let's go to the, to the positive side. What are the smart people doing? The, the, the folks who are retiring successfully, um, and, and like I said, Holly and I have been very blessed. We've made a little money. We put a little bit away. Now you're scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> what What are successful retirees doing or not doing? Or they're, Here's what they're doing. Number one, they're not settling for standard advice. Mm. They're not settling for the run-of-the-mill, over-the-counter, cookie-cutter advice, portfolio, 
uh, ideas and the like. They're not settling for that. They're saying, I got things in the back of my mind I'm wondering about. I don't know if I'm okay on taxes. I don't know if I'm going to outlive my money. I don't know how much income I can take. And there's the big one we can talk about if you want. But what if I How much income you can take based on your- That's one. But what if you could even upgrade your lifestyle? And people don't even realize it because they're holding back so much out of fear of the future. Right. They don't actually do everything they want to do. And so we love when that happens. And so number one, they don't settle. But here's the other thing that successful people do. They get a customized, personalized plan that fits them and who they are. It takes you out of the whole guise of, you know, this money manager is better than that money manager. And this person's going to get this return, that return. Hey, let me tell you something. No one knows what in the world the return is going to be over the next year, two years, three years, five years. No one knows. I always say, we never predict the economy, we never predict the market, and we never foretell what the investment return is going to be. And anyone who tells you they know what's going to happen in any of those three areas, you should run for the door as fast as you possibly <laughs> Better can. Better hold on to your wallet. <laughs> and I spend every day thinking about this, looking at this, and, 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 and watching experts and listening to experts and talking with my own team about this. And I can tell you, no one knows how this thing plays out exactly. No one knows. Well, thank you for that level of honesty and authenticity. That's refreshing, and you're 100% right, of course. It makes all the sense in the world. Let's talk about the book. Yeah. Uh, Build Wealth Like a Shark, not your first book. So right. you, you didn't get it right the first time, so you just kept going, right? Hey, there's always something else to be said that's really cool and beneficial. And this is a great book because we were able to do it uh, with someone who's become a fast friend of mine, Kevin Harrington, one of the original sharks on the hit oh, I know the name. Shark Tank. I, I yeah. don't know him, but I know the name. Yeah. So you might. So Shark Tank, you'll know. You'll also know uh, As Seen on TV. He's the inventor of As He owns the brand As Seen on TV. Wow, smart guy. And was the inventor of the infomercial. And so really smart guy, smart entrepreneur, smart business owner, who's always looking to to do something new. So this was a, a book we did with uh, 30 other folks from around the country that Kevin said, I want to I want to highlight and spotlight some of the best and brightest minds in the space. And so we joined Kevin Harrington for this book and and a great friend of mine now. And, and it's been a, it's been an awesome experience. So we just launched it here and it's available now. Uh, it's become a very fast Amazon bestseller, number one bestseller. So wow. really cool stuff is uh, happening to really get the word out and say, really ultimately say, you don't have to settle. And there's a lot more options out there than most people realize. If you find someone that does specialized, personalized work, they can really fit it to who you are. So this is your third or fourth book. So this is this is uh, not your first radio. What is, what is that like to? Um, I know a lot of people that say I'm going to write a book, <laughs> or I should write a book, and I, um, and but then I know a few people who have written books, <laughs> and only because I do radio shows is probably why I know them. Uh, what was that? experience like trying to commit your ideas to paper did did you find it it helped you crystallize your thinking was it chaos what was it like well i told my wife that it's as uh it's as hard as birth and a baby she disputed with me on that a little bit <laughs> i don't know about the wisdom of that <laughs> statement <laughs> but i thought i would give it a try uh here's what it does is it really forces you to crystallize your thoughts and say what's really important and what needs to be said huh, in the most okay. concise way possible yeah. and so we've tried to do that now in different ways uh the first book i wrote the secret of wealth with no regrets which also coincides with our uh, registered trademark uh planning process called wealth with no regrets it was really what i learned coming out of the experience with my father in the industry and what i thought was broken about the industry so that was the first one i I wrote and then uh, have just kind of moved towards 
uh, writing and contributing to books that I felt like would provide input and, and advice and insight to people in areas they, uh, that they didn't already have insight about. And so this latest one with uh, Kevin Harrington, uh, the original shark on uh, Shark Tank, Build Wealth Like a Shark, was another installment in being able to make a contribution to folks who are moving towards that retirement place and said, hey, what? how do I how do I bring this up a level in intention right. and, and understanding? And so, uh, yeah, it's always difficult to kind of get it said in a different way that kind of connects with people. So that's what we're always trying to do with each thing we write, whether it's uh, in print or articles from, you know, the articles we've written at Kiplinger and other places. You know, it's always things we're trying to communicate in a different way that maybe connects with people this way instead of another way. Well, well maybe this touches on another question I have. And, and the, the question itself is, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you? I, I got to believe it's it must be much more difficult. You know, we have a sales expert in the room to sell what you sell than it is to sell what I sell. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, the, the level of trust one must have to cultivate to get someone to move from what they're doing now over to you. How does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you? Well, for me, I, uh, why I don't think sales is wrong. I think sales is good. I think sales is necessary. I think we're all selling every single day yeah. from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. We're selling our kids on ideas. We're selling our wife on ideas. <laughs> you know, we're, we're selling our neighbor on ideas. I mean, we're always selling as it relates to this business in, in, in particular, uh, for us as a business and as a team, I've reframed it to say, uh, let's inform people, let's inform and then engage them. So if we can inform people about the opportunities they have and inform them about what some of the mistakes are that people make and and start to inform them and see when the light comes on for certain people, let's engage them because it's ultimately a relationship. And so let's engage them in a relationship. Let's see uh, where there's a fit. And if there's a fit, let's, let's work together. If there's no fit, that's fine. There's someone else that's a better fit and it's okay. Let's figure that out. So I, I go around the road of informing. So we do uh, we do events, we do webinars, uh, we do all kinds of things like that, and articles and books and all that to bring uh, valuable information out. And then uh, eventually something's going to click with somebody, and we're going to engage in a conversation and start to go through a process and just see how that fits. At no point is there pressure or pushiness or products or anything like that being being sold or being moved or being uh, uh, anything like that because it's a relationship ultimately that we want to see people through the entirety of their relationship of their retirement. Right. So that works best. And we're in a relationship together. That's not pressure. Does that make sense? It does make sense because, well, I know in my business, even if I did somehow have the skill or charm to cajole someone into underwriting a show, that's not going to last, right? They really have to resonate with this whole business, this the concept of that we have at Business Radio X, or it's not going to last, right. you know? So, and, and, and I mean, probably 10 X that in your world, right? Yeah. I mean, when, when it comes to people's money, their retirement in the future, it's a serious business. So we yeah. always say it is always every day we wake up, it is a serious business and we take it seriously. And yet we love the relationships and the people we get to work with and the lives we get to change and the people we get to help on a daily basis. Um, I, I, I remember this one couple came in and said, ah, I don't know. I think we're okay. You know, a lot of people say that I think we're okay. We should be good. You know, right. and I mean, I think I've done what <laughs> I'm supposed to do. I've listened to my advisor and they've told me I'm, I'm good and all of that. And then to see the transformation that happens when we actually find money they didn't know they had, 
when we reduce taxes, they didn't even know they could be reduced and ultimately create more security around their future and their income. They didn't know was possible. So they can actually do some of the things on their bucket list, like take the trip to the Galapagos Islands or something like that, that they right. never thought they could do. And then they finally do, or they help with charity uh, give and they, oh man, I could only give, you know, a thousand dollars a year. And all of a sudden they give $20,000 in a year. Yeah. Why? Because the, the, the tax deductions are essentially paying for that contribution, which then puts more money in their pocket because they have more money on their side of the equation. So when you get that thing right, it's really powerful very, very fast. I'll bet it is. So uh, what? before we wrap, can you walk us through the, the early stages of engaging with, with people, with you and, and, and people on your team? What does that look like? Yeah, the very first step is a conversation with me. We sit down and we do what we use, what we call as a 17-point assessment. And we look at where they're at. We look at where their income is at, their investment is at, their taxes and their legacy, their future and their liabilities and the like. We just cover the whole gamut. And let's just do an assessment. So so that's a big piece of the beginning step. And then we look at really getting clear about their future. What is it they want? Because ultimately what someone wants is what's going to drive whatever comes next. It's not a product. It's not a portfolio. It's not a return. It's what you want. And in addition to that, what are the things that could be holding you back you weren't even aware of before talking? And so let's figure that out. Let's get a clarity about what you want, what things could you hold could be holding you back. Let's understand where you're at today before you'd ever make a change, before you'd ever do anything different. If you don't have an understanding of where you're at and how things could be better, why would you make a change? If, there, if everything really is fine, right. why would you do anything different? So that's where we start. And then we move into a plan. And we say, hey, based on what you want and where you're at and the, the challenges you have, let's move into a, a customized, personalized plan that helps you get where you want to go in a better way. Better income, more secure income, better high-quality investments that you can trust and believe in and live on through the rest of your life that actually gets you to where you want to be. As well as let's minimize taxes and minimize taxes now and in the future. Let's look out the windshield, not the rearview mirror when we look at taxes. And then lastly, we go implement. Let's put it into place. Let's make it happen for you and then walk together over the next 20, 30 years. The peace of mind that must come with making those adjustments, having someone you're working with that you really trust. Maybe that's where this whole phrase, uh, this this trademark or whatever of, of wealth with no regrets is all about, right? It is all about uh, peace of mind and confidence mm -hmm. for their future. It's like the old MasterCard commercial back when they would, would play those with the golf. You know, the guy gets mad and he throws the club into the lake. You know, that was 200 bucks, right? The, you know, the, the <laughs> golf bag, then that finally goes in. That's another couple hundred bucks. And then the last shot on the last hole, he shoots it and he, he dunks it for a birdie. And they said, that's priceless. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what peace of mind and confidence is when it comes to retirement. It's priceless. There is, there's nothing to substitute that. Amen. All right. Where can our listeners uh, reach out, learn more? You've, you've so much content that you're sharing. Uh, there's, there's great ways to do that. Have a conversation with you. Let's get some points of contact. For sure. You absolutely. Uh, our website is the first stop, uh, wealthwithnoregrets.com. All spelled out, wealthwithnoregrets.com. You can call us at 678-278-9632 or email me, Barry, with an A, B-A-R-R-Y, at wealthwithnoregrets.com. Barry, what a delight, man. Thanks for coming in and sharing your story and talking about your work. This is marvelous and, like I said, very timely for me personally. So I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I really appreciate you coming in and visiting with us, man. Well, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you today. 
All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for Bob Truto and Barry Spencer and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio. Mm-hmm.